What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Ice the Kicker podcast with Matt Ferrara. My name is Glenn Denegris. It's our first off-season episode of the Ice the Kicker podcast, so we're going to get started with our off-season coverage. A lot to talk about. This is probably going to be the most um, active offseason we've seen in a long time, especially at the quarterback position with all the quarterbacks that are available in the draft, in free agency, via the trade, if older quarterbacks are going to walk away and retire like a Roethlisberger, like a Drew Brees. So there, a lot of movement at the quarterback position is going to be, I guess, the main storyline of this offseason. We thought it'd be a good idea to get this offseason coverage started on the Ice the Kicker podcast with answering your questions. So Matt was kind enough to throw up a uh, Q&A on his Instagram story, which was awesome. And we got some, we got some responses, Matt. Yeah. I, I thought we had, again, the turnout so far, again, this year has been awesome just from everybody. And I always love doing these questions just because it gives us a little bit uh, of a structure instead of us having to talk about one game or one player. We obviously just relate and answer the questions that people who are listening actually want to hear. So want to dive right into this? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I was born ready for this. Let's do it. So Nico asks, which Bucks free agent, Buccaneers obviously, are must sign if they want to make another Super Bowl run? And to to reference that or to kind of uh, further explain that, there's three key free agents. I guess we could say four for the Buccaneers. So you have Chris Godwin, their wide receiver two. You have Shaq Barrett, their edge guy. They have uh, Levante David, their middle linebacker. And then uh, Gronkowski as well. So I'll let you start start that one off, and then I'll talent come in right after you. I'm gonna first of all, I'm gonna first say the guy that they need back the least, and I think that's Gronkowski. I think Gronkowski. It was nice to have him with Brady. It was kind of cool to see them both in different uniforms, winning a Super Bowl after so many years in New England. But if you watched Buccaneers games throughout the season, Gronkowski was never the you know number one target for Brady the way he was in New England there were so many other weapons and we really maybe saw one or two or three big plays from vintage plays from Gronkowski you know Super Bowl aside we had the two touchdowns in the Super Bowl but over the course of the season and into the playoffs Gronkowski was what Matt I don't know if you would agree or not like the fourth or fifth maybe sixth that time option it was like yeah he yeah it was it was when they needed a big third down conversion something in the red zone but they never like relied on him to get a majority of the receptions and yards from Brady in the air. I'm going to go with, and the name's escaping me that you just said, the edge guy. Shaq Barrett. I'm going to go with Shaq Barrett because what we saw in the Super Bowl that was able to disrupt Patrick Mahomes was that defensive line and being able to get pressure on Mahomes and not be and allow and force Mahomes to get out of the pocket, make him uncomfortable and not sit in the pocket waiting for Hill and, you know, and everybody else that they have, Watkins and Kelsey, to get open. I think that was the mm-hmm. main difference in that Super Bowl. We had, we discussed it a week ago when we uh, reviewed the game and kind of gave our recap. That defensive line for Tampa was the big X factor. When Brady won the MVP last week, we said, mm, it really could have gone to Todd Bowles the entire defensive mm-hmm. line. So I'm going to go Shaq Barrett because I feel like you could have all the great receivers and quarterbacks in the world, but football – teams are built in the trenches both in the offensive and defensive line i think shaq barrett would be the number one guy for the buccaneers to bring back 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my response nice and short and sweet and agree with you that definitely Shaq Barrett is the number one guy you need to bring back. I'll explain a little bit why Levante David and Chris Godwin are not needed, I guess you could say, for a Super Bowl run. So Chris Godwin, again, a very, very good wide receiver nonetheless, not taking that away from him. But the Buccaneers, I think, in this uh, wide receiver class of uh, in the draft and through free agency can find a cheaper option. And say they get someone in the draft, it's going to be an option that's going to be for five or four years. So that, to me, to fill Chris Godwin's void would be – uh, a lot more financially, I, I would say, smart. And I, I don't, I again, I know there may be a drop off in talent slightly, but I think there, there's a lot more avenues you can go with because Chris Godwin is someone who's going to command probably 12 to $15 million a year. And that's something that the Buccaneers are going to need to ask themselves is that what we want to pay? Or do we just go after a guy in, uh, in, in the draft? So that's going to be something that's kind of why I would stay away from him. Like, again, I don't think it's, needed i don't think chris godwin is taking them out of super bowl contention and of course it's not like picking one of these guys and everyone else is leaving they could theoretically bring back multiple guys yeah so it's not like they're picking we have to pick one and then none of them none of the other ones are coming back this is just Mm -hmm. who they need the most yeah and levante david is one that i would say would be that the the number two option as to who they should bring back but we'll say theoretically they, they don't because he's another guy who's going to be 31 years old that is probably going to command, again, I would say probably $15 million. I mean, he's one of the best middle linebackers in the game. And I think the way the Buccaneers free agency, if I had to project how it's going to go, is Shaq Barrett's 100% going to get signed. And I bet you you see one of the two between uh, Levante David and Chris Godwin come back. But I, I'm not foreseeing you see both. I know Bruce Arians at the Super Bowl parade was saying, oh, both of you guys aren't leaving this, that, and the other. But when, when the time the comes... Heat of, heat of the moment, probably. Yes, exactly. When the money starts to talk, then it's like, all right, well, then we have to make some some business decisions here. And so that that's kind of what I would say. But definitely we're both in agreement that Shaq Barrett would be the number one guy you have to bring back. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to keep that defense together for because as good as Tom Brady is with the weapons that he had this year, as you said, it's so mm-hmm. easy to replace a wide receiver in the draft. Um, how many times have we seen teams um, just easily replace, you know, receivers and weapons because, you know, the running backs and the wide receivers, they don't play until they're 35. They play until they're around 30, 32 years old. And then they get, mm. you know, tossed to the side. I get that sounds harsh, but that, it's true. They get tossed yeah. to the side no, yeah. for the younger kid that's coming up. So it's always a rotation of outside weapons for a quarterback. And I think the most important thing is to keep that defensive line. So I think Shaq Barrett is the number one mission i guess or goal for the buccaneers to retain in free agency and also over the last 20 plus years we've seen brady especially in new england be just fine without top flight receivers so i don't think Mm -hmm. a top flight receiver it's nice to have but a top flight receiver is a necessity in a tom brady led offense i definitely agree so moving on to question number two and from my brother, Chris, he's asking the biggest QB changes expected in this free agency. And again, we already have seen a bunch with Stafford and Goff. Okay. What do you think is, is going to be some of the other ones that we are going to be seeing pretty soon? Uh, I think the two big ones that we aren't really talking or big two teams we're not really talking about because everyone wants to talk about what the Jets are going to do, what the Dolphins might do, what the Bears might do. But there's a couple teams that have had quarterbacks for the last 
decade and a half and never had to worry about it. And that's the Saints and the Steelers. I'm really interested to seeing what those two franchises decide to do with their living legend quarterbacks in Roethlisberger and Breeze and how they, I guess, turn the page and, you know, end that era and start a new one. I think that the Saints are more likely than the Steelers to stay in-house. I think I feel like they like what they see in Jameis Winston. And I think they mm-hmm. could see Jameis Winston being a diamond in the rough where they don't need to go out outside the organization and give up draft picks and a ton of money to bring in somebody else. I think they feel like they can win with the guy that's currently on the roster. I think he's a free agent anyway now, but he has been mm-hmm. there. He was there all year this year. So I think that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see what the Saints are going to do with Jameis Winston. Um, I don't think they – I didn't like what I saw from Hill. I can't imagine them seeing what they like from Hill when Breeze was down and he got mm-hmm. a chance to be the starting quarterback. So um, I'm interested to see what the Saints are going to do. Um, the Steelers are interesting because, you know, what is their not only future at the quarterback position, but future in general as an organization? Did that, like, window close? Because they got they, – they started, what, 11-0, and and then they kind of fell off a roof, like fell off a building mm-hmm. there towards the end. And it wasn't all Big Ben's fault. It was the team collectively. So what is Mike Tomlin going to do? Two, I got a text. What is um what is uh, Mike Tomlin gonna do to kind of reset that organization that has always been a winning organization? I don't I think Big Ben, I think he played his last game with Pittsburgh. And I'm not sure exactly where Pittsburgh goes from here because they do have a playoff first round draft slot, which means you, theoretically you're not gonna be in play for the Lawrences and the Wilsons and the uh Fields and the Lance. I don't think they'll be there. So they're gonna have to look outside yeah. the organization. And they might need to roll the dice with someone who's not as proven as a Stafford or a Watson or whoever else is out there. I think they might need to bottom feed for one of those quarterbacks because I don't know what kind of what they have to offer because the Pouncey twins retired. So who's mm-hmm. going to want to really what's the attraction if you're a free agent or trade acquisition? What's the attraction of Pittsburgh at this moment? So I think those two organizations are two that we need to look, look at this offseason. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I, I think Breeze is going to retire. I, I really don't see him coming back. I think Big Ben is going to be a little more tricky with the Steelers. I think he wants to come back. And obviously, from the money standpoint, he's going to want to come back and get that hefty paycheck. But I don't think the Steelers want him back. So that's going to be an interesting kind of hurdle. The biggest one that I think that a, a potential change could be Dak playing for a team that's not named the Dallas Cowboys. Again, if, if he doesn't get franchise tagged, I, I definitely think he's going to collect another hefty paycheck, probably in that upper 30s, if not maybe $40 million range. And again, if I had to predict, maybe maybe it's with the team like the like the 49ers. I, again, I know that they've been kind of in the mix with every quarterback ever, and they're trying to move on from Garoppolo. I, I definitely think that uh, Dak as much as he seems to be committed to the Cowboys, the Cowboys don't seem to be committed to him. Do you so. think that's a mistake by the Cowboys to not be committed to Dak? I, I think I want to say yes, just because they have no insurance plan behind it. So if you don't bring Dak back the, uh, this year, who are you bringing? That's what I mean. So you're going to go yeah. in now of a year or two of just being okay. Mm-hmm. And like we keep talking about, like, like that just is going to set their franchise back because all that means is the clock on these other guys is still going, but if you don't have a quarterback, like you're gonna go play a season with Andy Dalton at quarterback, like that, you, that can't happen. 
I think the difference between the Cowboys and a lot of other teams that are looking for a quarterback, what you have is what's out there on the market definitively better than what you have. Is Dak Prescott mm-hmm. definitively worse than bringing in? I don't think the Cowboys will play in the Deshaun Watson waters. Is mm-hmm. it, for it'll never happen because it's interdivision. But like, is is Dak better than Carson Wentz? Right? He's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is better. So you wouldn't make yeah. that you know swap um who else mm-hmm. what else what's another quarterback that's out there if breeze and roethlisberger want to play somewhere else are they better than what the cowboys already have in deck no yeah, is, Garoppolo with it, the niners are the guys Garoppolo with the niners Garoppolo's is not better than deck if yeah. the cowboys want to trade up or if they want to they're, they're at the, i think the 10 spot so they don't really need to trade up i don't mm-hmm. think if they want to draft one of these guys maybe a trask maybe a mac jones maybe um wilson if he falls Mm-hmm. is is that option it's cheaper than Dak but are you is it better than Dak and remember yeah. the NFC East isn't good and if Dak stayed healthy and didn't get hurt against the Giants mm-hmm. the Cowboys have the talent to win that division that was really really bad and the Eagles mm-hmm. won at whatever or no the Redskins or Washington football team Washington football team won yeah. that division at whatever record yeah. they did if Dak's healthy the entire year I can make a pretty strong argument that the Cowboys are going to win that division running away this year. So mm-hmm. I know it sucks that they have to, they've come to this position where they now have to pay and commit to Dak Prescott after giving um, Elliot all that money too. So the, your backfield is going to take up a lot of your cap space. But if you look around the NFL and what's out there, what's definitely better than Dak. And I don't know okay. other than Deshaun Watson and maybe Trevor Lawrence that they're not going to get mm-hmm. I don't think there's anyone out there that's that's worth making that change. Yeah, no, that that is a very fair point. I, I agree with just about everything there. And we could kind of tie this discussion into Coach Poppy's question. And he asked, "What's best for Dak?" He says, "I think the I think to join the Colts, loaded defense, cap space, solid running game, and again, I, I think the Colts would be a great fit. I mean, they seem to be a team right now who." Is perfect for any quarterback, basically. I mean, Philip Rivers was one drive away from leading that team to beat the Bills and and, and win the the first playoff game. Yeah, and right before and right before I'm sorry to cut you off. Right before he retired, we came on the show and we were like, they should just run it back with Philip Rivers if he wants to come mm-hmm. back because that team played very well. Yeah, so I definitely think the Colts would be a perfect landing spot for Dak. And then again, I think that would give also the Colts now a little bit of continuity in the quarterback room because the way or the path that they're on now, it's going to be plug and play guys for the next four years. And it's going to be one guy every year. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And I think Dak would solve a lot of their issues. Yeah. I think Dak is not a guy that has much to prove. I think he's proven enough Mm -hmm. in the NFL for people to think and assume that he's a franchise guy. So he doesn't need to go to a, an organization that he needs to build up because I think he should be looking for an organization. Like he shouldn't go to the jets because the jets still need more. He should go to an organization that's ready to win. So as you said, mm-hmm. the Colts are an organization that, you know, they could have very easily, you know, come out on top in that wildcard game in Buffalo. The 49ers are also interesting. They made the Super Bowl two years ago. They seem to run out of, I guess, confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo. So if Dak wants to go to San Francisco, I think that you can make the argument that San Francisco is right back to the top of contenders in the NFC. At the end of the day, I just can't see a scenario where the marriage of Dallas and Dak doesn't eventually win out. I do think mm-hmm. that Dak 
needs the Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys need Dak, and I think that's eventually going to happen. But, you know, the, the Cowboys need to help him out a little bit. I mean, they brought in C.D. Lamb last year. They have weapons for him. They just need to not be the Cowboys. You know what I mean? Uh, something yeah. always eventually yeah. goes wrong there. <laughs> yeah. I think mm-hmm. that Dak and the Cowboys could have sustained success in the future if they just don't shoot themselves in the foot which seems to be the common thread for every season that we've ever watched football growing up, that the Cowboys will eventually do something wrong. A call will go against them. Somebody will get hurt. There will be some bad turnover at the end of the game. I think that I honestly think that Dak's best fit is to stay in Dallas. But if we're playing the game, Mm -hmm. if he had to go somewhere else, I would probably agree with you with Indianapolis or San Francisco. I de- definitely. Uh, I don't know if there. we got this. Hold on, I, w- I pause this for a second. I'm not not I mean I not pause the recording, <laughs> pause the conversation. I don't know if I we got, got it. I don't know if we got it. I'm let me look up the. Um, I don't know if we got a question about Russell Wilson, but I don't mm-hmm. think that's a non. Do we get a question about Russell Wilson? No, no Russell Wilson. Oh, let's let's talk about and... let's talk about Wilson for a second. I don't think this is mm-hmm. a non-story. I think he's very upset with Seattle, and I think that you know. After, you know, that really good start to his career where he made the Super Bowl two times in a row, won the first, should have won the second, but they didn't they didn't run the ball with Marshawn Lentz at the goal line. Like, I think this is this is a I think it's more likely Wilson leaves than Dak leaves Dallas, to be honest. I I think I I think I would even say I think it's more likely Wilson leaves in uh, uh, more likely than uh, Watson leaving Houston. I, I think I think the the Seattle just kind of gloom over there in the pacific northwest is not reaching the uh media kind of center of the of the world uh up in bristol connecticut right now Mm -hmm. and and new york but i definitely think he is like very upset with everything and i know like he's not a very outspoken guy and again i I don't i'm not going to label him a diva just for speaking up because we shouldn't by any means a lot of people have and it's not fair yeah you got you have to take everything with with a grain of salt and look at what he's done for Seattle. Again, he's already got a Super Bowl under his belt. He's, again, like you said, he should have had two. He's playing at a, at a Hall of Fame rate right now, and all he's asking for is some protection. Mm-hmm. And instead, the Seahawks are trading two first-rounders for Jamal Adams. Yeah. So, again, he, he has an argument. And, and I feel I like think that's that- the – it's a crossroads now we've come to in, I guess, the relationship between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson because Pete Carroll – loves his defense if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. like they had the legion of yes. boom and now they brought in jamal adams to kind of reincarnate what they had those years ago when they had richard sherman and all those guys and now you you're forgetting that you have this superstar quarterback that could put a team on his back and lead you to you know an nfc championship or a super bowl but that's just not the way Pete carroll operates so mm-hmm. i think that now that russell wilson's star has grown past the i guess game managing kid that he was that first few years where he won the Super Bowl made it to the second and now he's a legit Mm -hmm. top 10 quarterback in the league I think that is a rift in that relationship and I think that you know it might be time for them to part ways yeah again it that's exactly what what you have to look at is that looking at their kind of timeline and and together it's like can Seattle like as a front office they have to ask them can we basically rebuild this offensive line and get it to where he, where it needs to be not just where it needs to be to please Russell Wilson but where it needs to be to win championships clearly they don't value an offensive line 
because mm-hmm. or else they, or they, they would add to it. But they always seem to be subtracting from it every single year. And they seem to be giving away picks every single year. So they need to really kind of reevaluate their offseason kind of uh, strategy. And if it's a situation where they'd show no effort to do that, Russell Wilson has every right to say, I'm just going to sit out and, and then or to say, please trade me. And yeah. I think it would be it would be smart for Seattle to get whatever you could get for Wilson. Again, it'll be three or four first round picks, something crazy. Mm-hmm. So at some point, again, I know it sucks seeing him go, but if you can get something crazy for him, then it is what it is. You don't want now, to let me ask the you, player. Let me ask you this, you. because when the Watson rumors started, I asked you about Watson or Tua. You probably you said reluctantly that you would have to end up going with Watson because Sean Watson, Sean Watson. If you yeah. if you replace Watson's name with Wilson's name, would you be willing to give up Tua for Russell Wilson? See, I, I, I again, I just think it's it's going to cost too much. It's going to be yeah. an astronomical deal. It's going to have to be a deal that a team is basically just going to go for broke, and they're just going to say, "Listen, screw it." At the very least, we're going to have a franchise quarterback, and then we'll try to piece the puzzle together, and we'll trust in our coaching staff to get kind of lower price guys and, and make him excel. Now the, the Russell Wilson conversation is interesting because he's got to be what, like back end of 20, if not like what 30, yeah, maybe on the I, dot, I can give you an age. Cause I, cause I wonder then with the age difference, cause obviously Watson is like 25 or 26, something like that. So obviously that's the ideal age you want for a quarterback right now, especially See, see, that's where yeah. it gets interesting because, like, say that team needs to win now if they're going to get them. Yes, say hypothetically they were like, all right, Tua and a first and a second for Russell Wilson. Then you're like, all right, like, like great. Now that- you got Russell Wilson, but now we don't have those picks to bring us become a Super Bowl contender immediately. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because I, I it's weird because Russell Wilson I think is also a top five quarterback just like Sean Watson is so I wonder how different I guess you could say the price tag would be now the issue that I would foresee is that the Matt Stafford deal inflated basically what Watson is going to deserve and then what Russell Wilson would deserve for the Seahawks and the Texans uh, respectively so that is is where I kind of see an issue like on the surface I think a fair deal for say for a disgruntled Russell Wilson would be like like like, like a realistic deal that could get done would be like two first two seconds. Yeah, like that 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 seems like a deal that you could see kind of popping up on your phone as breaking news. But that's like once you start flirting with like four first rounders, it's like I, that's just not realistic. It, yeah. it really isn't. You'll take your chances in the draft. And what and what kind of team is going to be willing to go for the thirty-two-year-old guy? I don't think the Jets would. I don't think the Dolphins would. You'd have to look at you know the same guys we talked about with Dak, mm-hmm. kind of the indie, the San Francisco, maybe mm-hmm. Chicago kind of teams, or yeah. maybe more, maybe New Orleans. That are they going to mm-hmm. have Breeze gone? They're going to bring in another veteran with a roster that's obviously playoff ready they made the playoffs last new orleans year is, new orleans is a very interesting one when, yeah. when you see that i could definitely see that be, seeing wilson be the successor to drew breeze there i mean breeze's cap is going to be off the books once he retires which is a, eventually going to probably going to happen this offseason what it, and they're a team that can afford to give up say two first rounders two second rounders for russell wilson mm-hmm. that's an interesting one 
I mean, I mean, the tools are all there for Wilson still. He still has the arm. He still has the mobility. Mm-hmm. He's battle tested. He's been in the Super Bowl twice. He's played in bad mm-hmm. weather. He's done everything a quarterback can do. I think if you're a team that you think you're a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl, kind of like how the Buccaneers were a year ago, I think, mm-hmm. you know, Russell's the guy. But, you know, maybe I, I feel I feel the best for football would be for him to work it out with Seattle. Hopefully Seattle. Yeah figures it out, gets him the help he needs, and then this is just a moot point. But it's fun to talk about because Russell Wilson, he's the one that brought it up. So smoke, there's fire. So who knows? Maybe within the next few months, Russell Wilson's packing his bags and going somewhere else. Yeah. So next question we have also. Yeah, also from my brother, Chris. I'm assuming he's uh, asking uh, Dolphins related, but I guess it kind of speaks to anybody who needs a wide receiver. So he says, Juju, Marvin Jones, Allen Robinson or other. So other other wide receivers that are kind of on the free agency market, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, even though we'll mm-hmm. probably get franchise tagged. That's about kind of like the, the big five that I foresee. Now I love Juju, me some Allen Robinson now. Yeah, Juju is more of your kind of slot guy. Again, he's yeah. still very good, but he's not really an outside receiver. Marvin Jones is going to be 32, I believe, by the time he signs a deal. And he's a guy who I think excelled with the Lions, and mm-hmm. then even when, when Kenny, Gall- Kenny Galladay was there too, Kenny Galladay, another guy very similar to Marvin Jones, I think just younger and a little bit more dynamic, yeah. I guess you could say. Allen Robinson is the interesting one because I think he is the clear-cut favorite to yeah. land the biggest deal here. He's a huge dude. He's huge. He's a force, yeah. in, especially in the red zone. I think as a Giants fan, someone who desperately needs his team to get a wide receiver, that's the mm-hmm. one I'm looking for. I'm not sure the Giants could afford him, with their cap mm-hmm. salary cap situation. I don't have the number at the top of my head, but I don't think they have a ton of room to work with unless they make some cuts. But mm-hmm. I think Allen Robinson is the best. And the the things that he did with Mitchell Trubisky as his quarterback, can you imagine if he had, you know, not Mitchell Trubisky? Literally anybody else. Literally anybody any else. other guy. So I yeah. think that's going to be really fun to see. Wherever he goes, I'm assuming he's going to sign with a team that has a competent quarterback. I'm very interested to see the numbers he puts up next year. Now, again, uh, I'm curious. If... Juju, I, I, I don't care for Juju. Like the TikToks. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, he, and he, I think he just didn't it's play a lot of well. talk, he, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I he uh, doesn't, he's, he doesn't have the talent of like an Odell to get away with the yeah. talk that he has. Like Odell uh, can yeah. walk and talk. And, you know, mm-hmm. put up the numbers that he puts up when he's healthy. I don't think yes. Juju's that same level of talent that warrants yeah. the baggage mm-hmm. that he comes with. Definitely. Uh, Allen Robinson is going to be an inter- interesting one because, again, he's going to be a guy that is going to exceed the, I would say, the mid-teens uh, for a- average annual salary. I think he's his deal is probably going to be around, like, maybe 18. I, I could see maybe four-year deal, 18 mil. And again, I think he's somebody that because he plays in Chicago and for the Bears that no one really knows anything about. So I think he's a guy who's going to come on next year and go to a, a new setting and really kind of get some exposure and get the respect that he deserves. Because I think he is a great wide receiver. Yeah, I think that I think that the national media is going to pop off on him because he's going to put up the numbers with, as we said, a different quarterback other than Trubisky. And I think that he's going to put up Big numbers. I hopefully it's with the Giants. I I'm mm. praying. I don't think it's going to mm. happen, but I can dream until he signs somewhere else. So speaking now of an, another New York team, not the Giants. Okay. Uh, 
Brian Kopko asks, what should the Jets do? Stick with Sam, draft Wilson, trade the house for Watson. So he's looking for answers right See, now. What do you got is, for him? This is the toughest question you're going to ask me today. This is, I've thought about this so much, and like every day I have a different answer. One day I'm mm-hmm. going to stick with Sam and build around him. Another day I'm like, you know, Zach Wilson looks pretty good. And then another day I'm like, Deshaun Watson's out there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. What I think they should do? is I think they run it back with Sam one more time. Like, why not? Like, you have the f- second pick. Mm-hmm. Get Smith, right? Use all that cap space on some weapons. Let's see what Sam could do. In worst case scenario, it doesn't work. And then you have a qu- you get a quarterback next year because there's always going to be quarterbacks available. Every year, mm-hmm. there's a quarterback available. So mm-hmm. I think they should run it back with Sam and build around him and see what Salah can do. I know he's a defensive guy, but see... Um, what his coaching staff can do, see what Sam can do without, you know, Adam Gase as his head coach. We talk about, mm-hmm. you know, right before with Robinson and how good he could have been without Trubisky. How good could Sam be if he had literally anybody else as his coach than mm-hmm. Adam Gase? Because remember his one year with Todd Bowles as his head coach, he had a pretty good rookie year, right? He mm-hmm. played pretty well. And a lot of Jets fans yeah. were like, you know, we might have found the guy. And then Gase came and Gase does what he does to quarterbacks. He kills them. And yeah. so I would run it back with Sam. I think what they will do, I think they're going to, I think they're going to draft a quarterback. I think they're going to mm-hmm. draft either field fields or Wilson, depending on yeah. who they like at that point. Um, I think that it's just, it comes to a point where Salah wants his guy. Um, mm-hmm. Again, even though he's a defensive guy, the head coach is going to want the quarterback that he wants and he doesn't want to inherit somebody else's quarterback. Kind of like, you know, years ago, I mean, it's a completely different situation because Brett Favre was so old when he was on the Jets, but Rex Ryan came yeah. in. And the Jets almost made the playoffs the year before with Brett Favre. They didn't. And they could have just ran it back with Favre with Rex Ryan, but Rex Ryan kind of wanted Mark Sanchez. And they got Mark Mm. Sanchez, and then Favre went to Minnesota or whatever. And then the Jets made the playoffs back-to-back years and made it a couple wins from away from two Super Bowls. So I think what they're going to do is draft a quarterback. What I think they should do is just give Sam one more shot. Yeah, so I'm going to disagree with what I think they should and will do. I do agree with, with your thought process that, yeah, like, like if you do build the right team around Sam Darnold with like the right weapons and kind of the right line that it could work out. I, I definitely think he is a quarterback who could be mm-hmm. playing in playoffs for many years to come. But I, I definitely think right now, new coaching staff, just looking at their timeline of being successful, especially with how good the bills are right now. I definitely think that they're going to, draft uh they're gonna draft wilson or, or, or fields and i think then they're gonna kind of use this year as a buffer period again they have a ton of cap space too so i feel like you're, you're not gonna see the monster deals for three years you're probably gonna see maybe more five-year deals i think this is gonna be if they do it the right way i think they do a smarter rebuild they, they try to push it to three to five years not just all right we're gonna try to win now so basically saying don't trade for watson even though you do have a lot of picks Use those wisely. You have a lot yeah. of holes too. Watson mm-hmm. is not filling the holes at offensive line. He's not filling the if holes they have, that you if have they get on the Watson defensive line. And they give up all that they give up and they use their money on the Watson contract and maybe get a couple guys to help them out. The Jets are no better than a six win team. That's how many holes yeah, they have. I, I just, again, even if you say they even go eight wins, yeah. you could even say nine. I, I don't think they're making the playoffs or doing anything in the playoffs so that that's it just again it, it sounds nice 
And that's where I kind of yeah, get the timeline. If getting Watson would be a similar timeline, if they drafted a guy or kept Sam, it's still not next year, mm-hmm. you know? That's yeah. Kind of and, and, and like you said, there's quarterbacks every year. I know mm-hmm. every year it seems to be, Oh, this guy's a once in a lifetime generational talent. How many, we hear that every single every year. year. So, so, so again, to basically to, to your point, you could just run it back with Sam. And if he stinks, then you're going to have a good draft yeah. pick anyway. And if he does well, then he probably is deserving of a, a contract extension. Now, I will say this, part. though, even though I did say let's run it back with Sam, that's what I would do. If you can get a team to give you a first rounder for Sam, do it. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I would even say a second rounder, too, because he, he's a one. He's a he's a guy on a, his last year of his deal. And mm-hmm. then the next year for that fifth year option is to be 25 mil. Yeah. So if you can get a first or a second. I think they'll definitely get a second-round pick. You think about it with a second-round pick. If they can get a first-round pick for Sam, do it. And don't mm-hmm. ask why. Mm-hmm. No, no I, I definitely think so, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's kind of uh, like like when the Le'Veon Bell situation was happening. It was like, and Jamal Adams, too. It was like, listen, if you can get something for these guys and they're going to throw multiple first-round picks at you, even though you don't want to basically admit that you're not trying to win that year, you mm-hmm. just do it. And you you let the younger rookies play, and then you see what they got for next year, and then you kind of just try to tackle the rebuilding process in the draft. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And you look back last year with the Jamal Adams situation, it, it hurt for Jets fans and I guess the Jets organization in the moment to get rid of you know a guy like Jamal Adams. But to have two first round picks, I think a year later, they're you know thanking Joe Douglas that he pulled that off because at the end of the day is a safety winning your Super Bowl, and I don't think he is. So I think mm-hmm. that if the Jets can get the package they want for Sam and any package for any quarterback is going up because of the Stafford the Stafford trade, would that happen mm-hmm. setting the market? I think that if they get the right package for Sam, do it. But I don't think – I I just think that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if week one in September rolls around and Sam Darnold's under center if the Jets do – the competent thing in the offseason and in the draft. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I think you make a very good point. So we can kind of now transition this into more quarterback conversation. Colin Lombardo asks, rank the QBs in the 2021 draft. So we can just do like the top five. Top so I'll, five? I'll start first. Okay, go ahead. I'll start first. So obviously, number one, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, yeah. again, there's really no question about that. He's an absolute stud. He physically, he's exactly what you want. Like if you were to create a player, a quarterback in Madden, it would probably look like Trevor Lawrence. Then the number two and three is interesting because obviously it's, it's fields or Wilson. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put Wilson as number two. I think he is a more dynamic guy. I see he's very, he's traits like Josh Allen, where he's a raw player. He's one of those backyard football kind of guys, which is fine if you can, coach him up so now that's where the jets are going to have to ask themselves mm-hmm. basically how much faith do you have in yourself as a coach to develop a guy if you want more of a fine uh uh, uh the, the terminology in the draft world is a higher floor guy so if you want a higher floor guy you're going to go with justin fields a little bit more of a finished product Again, so what me, you saw so, so i guess to elaborate on that for people who might not know what that means the worst case scenario for wilson is worse than the worst case scenario for fields yes exactly yes. okay so yeah so perfect way to explain it there so 
it, that to me is, is going to dictate kind of how risky they want to get. And I, I think Zach Wilson can be very good. And again, I think Justin, uh, Justin Fields can be very good as well. But I definitely think that Wilson gives you a little bit more from a dynamic uh, standpoint. And I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. Obviously, him play, playing at BYU, we really didn't see him much. And yeah. I know he didn't play against great teams, but he also probably didn't have great players around him either. So I'd be interested to see what they do with him there. Then from the four and five standpoint, also tricky. I'm going to say for Mac Jones. I think he is a okay. very good quarterback prospect again another guy who you know what you're going to get with him he's very smart he's got a good arm he, he makes the right reads again we haven't really seen what he can do in pressure situations because alabama is obviously very good now this is where the discussion of oh well he's on a good and team. alabama good doesn't really he? rely on their quarterbacks to really put them over the top yeah so yeah so like when you when you dive into the film of him he doesn't really do anything bad but he doesn't really do anything that like jumps off the page at you obviously he's more of a pocket passer kind of guy nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. and it's not where the but, game's going uh, anymore though so that that's where obviously the interesting part is because my number five quarterback is north uh, dakota state trey lance now mm-hmm. he to me when i watch him play is a running back with the football it, it so again it's going to be interesting to see what team takes him because whatever team does is going to have to do what Harbaugh did with Lamar Jackson and kind of transition their offense to fit him. You're going to have a lot of options, a lot of RPOs, a lot of quarterback runs. So it's going to be interesting to see what team is willing to make that kind of whole offensive scheme change. Now, a team with a new offensive coordinator who's kind of willing to to bet his reputation on this guy may be willing to do that. Uh, a, a team I'm trying to think so like a team say like I, te- I think a team a team like the Panthers with Joe Brady as their offensive coordinator I think is a perfect spot for Trey Lance I think it's a younger coach and a younger team that is willing to take that risk whereas say a team like the Falcons or not, not, even, not even the Falcons let's say a team like the, the 49ers with Shanahan he I don't think he wants any kind of different quarterbacks i think he wants what what he wants and that's more of a guy like mac jones someone who you know is going to get to the get the ball to the receiver he wants so that would be recapping my top five we'll go trevor lawrence zach wilson justin fields mac jones and then trey lance yeah i don't disagree with you on your top five i'm on a site called walterfootball.com they do a lot of draft stuff Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know about it yeah Um, i've seen it they have lawrence number one they have wilson above fields i it's hard for me, and I know this is cliche, but you know, the better competition does mean something to me. I feel like it doesn't mm-hmm. mean as much as it used to be, as it used to in terms of mm-hmm. you know scouting NFL quarterbacks. But you know, playing at Ohio State is much different than playing at BYU. The thing with Fields is that you know we see him at his best that semifinal game against Trevor Lawrence in Clemson. He was oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. But there's also mm-hmm. other times where Justin Fields isn't that great. So he's kind of like mm-hmm. that hit and miss kind of guy. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched a lot of Zach Wilson yeah. football games. I'll be right. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's another tough thing because I've, I've seen a lot, yeah. obviously, much more Ohio State than I've seen BYU. So I think that – I think I guess you can put Wilson against Fields. I think it's a coin flip. I think it depends on the organization that's deciding. I think it depends mm-hmm. on their system. But I guess for me, I just – you know, I'll just I – tr- I trust the Ohio State guy more than the mm. BYU guy. And I'm, you know, 
my credential for that kind of opinion is that my favorite team has a quarterback from Duke and he's it's it's we're going into year three and it's still up in the air so but at the other but on the other hand the Giants did pick the Duke guy instead of the Ohio State guy and the Ohio State guy Mm -hmm. is at the league essentially yeah it's a it's a it's a crapshoot with all these quarterbacks five is interesting I want to bring in like a sixth guy to like I guess all right to um I guess compete with you know the top five Kyle Trask from Florida Mm-hmm. He's projected to go in the second or fourth round. This website says um, Trask or Jones. Well, what's your kind of feel about the Florida quarterback? So, I mean, again, Trask, I thought was a guy who was going to run away with the Heisman. Like he was mm-hmm. at like 40 touchdowns while everyone else was at like the high twenties. So I think he's a guy who you can look at his team and say, he made the guys around him better. I'm pretty sure at one point Florida was ranked like seventh. So mm-hmm. clearly he was doing his job. And the see again, this is where college football, I think, as a whole is just hard to scout, period. Because this is what Kyle's Trask maybe first or second year starting. I mean, this is the first year that he really did that good. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, then you kind of have the Trubisky kind of concerns where he did very well, but he did very well for one season. Yeah. So to your point competition and i think uh starting more than one year has to mean something and i guess that could be a knock on mac jones as well because he I'm, sat behind Tua and he sat behind jalen hurts yeah and trask had a big game in the sec championship it says it threw over 400 yards three touchdowns and then rushed for another two so i know florida you know hasn't been a premier college football you know i guess powerhouse since the tebow days but mm-hmm. trask came in and he brought that program back to relevancy after i guess mm. a decade where it was kind of hit and miss remember remember when we were kids florida with those few tebow years that was oh, yeah. you know that was what alabama is now like they were always mm-hmm. so trash kind of brings that program back into i guess relevancy where do you th- when do you think trask kind of fell out of the top five because throughout the entire fall i was thinking about i was hearing about the top four quarterbacks that we talked about and then trask instead of really mac jones and then mac jones kind of i felt leapfrogged him in i guess media attention so i would say right after the national championship i think mac jones took the edge over trask and i think right after college football ended people were like all right now we have to go back and really evaluate the zach wilson's and the trey lances who we never really saw zach wilson because he didn't play he didn't play on tv ever and then Trey Lance played one game and then said, all right, I'm going to sit out for the rest of the year. So again, you're obviously going to favor the guys that you watch during the season, but I think the smarter approach is again, once it's all said and done, kind of take the recency bias out of it and then say, all right, now we have to go back and look at what these guys did looking at their film in past years too. So that's where I definitely think that Trey Lance took that jump. And then obviously seeing Mac Jones win a national championship it's tough to deny that, but but I definitely do, do think that Trask should be getting a little bit more love than he is. Do you think all these guys go within the first three rounds? I, again, I, I would say yes, just because I feel mm-hmm. like there's so many QB needy teams right now, yeah. and even if like like teams like the Steelers and, and teams like the Niners who want to move on, and teams like the Falcons who Matty Ice is kind of near in the back end of his deal, and teams like the Saints who is Jameis the guy. I feel like now more than ever. Are teams ready to move on from quarterbacks and teams ready to just get new ones altogether? So it's going to be very interesting. But I definitely would say that you're going to see all five or six of those guys go 
in the first three rounds. Now, let me ask you this because you watch a lot more college football than I do. There's other guys, obviously, in the draft that are at the quarterback position. So are there any are there any Dax and Russell Wilsons and Tom Brady's in this draft? Like I'm looking at Kellen Mond of AM, Jamie mm-hmm. Newman from Wake Forest. There's a Felipe Franks from Arkansas. These are the like, yeah. I guess the six, seven, eight, nine, ten ranked people. Peyton Ramsey from Northwestern. Any of these names kind of strike your interest at all? Jamie Newman, uh, the Wake Forest kid, was a was a guy who was a very high sought off prospect when he was a freshman and a sophomore and then didn't really play that much. I think pretty bounced around schools a little bit and then uh, didn't play this past season, but he played at the senior bowl and really didn't do that. Well, mm-hmm. I think a name that isn't the on first there, game in like a year. Yeah. So a, a name that isn't on there are uh, Sam Ellinger. Again, I think he's a guy who he's just a gamer. He's number 11 he, here. Yeah, so I think he gamer from Texas again had a few great battles against Oklahoma in his career. I remember seeing on TV a lot. Again, I think he's a guy who could ending up in the right organization could be again, he might not be the greatest quarterback ever, but I think he could be an admirable starter, if not a great option kind of as a backup. So he he him to me, I think is a great quarterback to had to take a, a fourth round flyer on. Why yeah. not? But other the other names, guys are kind of you don't really know. Other names, KJ Costello, Ian Book from Notre Dame, Davis Mills from mm-hmm. Stanford, Dustin Crum is the last guy on this list at number 15 from Kent State. It's always interesting to see because we all we, we assume that like the top five guys are going to get their shot. I always like to see mm-hmm. if there's like that fifth round gem that yeah everyone like 10 years from now being like how can anyone miss that? But you know yeah. of course the Brady thing like how can all these teams yes pass on Brady I always like to see if there's um somebody there in the five six seven rounds but very interesting top five at least at the quarterback position Mm -hmm. and then add that on to the I guess controvert not controversy kind of like the drama with the quarterbacks that are currently in the league and where they're gonna go so I think there's gonna be a ton of shifting at the quarterback position in the NFL now this next and last question we got from Eddie and this is something that I've been trying to figure out religiously for the last three months, I'd say. Ranking Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. and Jalen Waddle. Mm. I have I haven't had as much struggle with this than I've had with anything I, I've ever really experienced, it, whether it be homework or whether it be yeah. football, baseball related. I cannot figure out these rankings. But when was the last time three wide receivers theoretically could go in the top 10? Has that happened? I, I'm See, At the top that, of my mind, I can't think about it. No, I mean, I it, did, it, could, I, it, could, it could have happened. It's just slipping my mind. Has there been a year no. where three receivers went in the top 10? No, I, I did a little kind of research project on my own about that and there like there was like you had John Brown who went like top five to the Bengals mm-hmm. and that was just because he ran the fastest 40 like he wasn't really a good wide receiver that was kind of just a poor GM decision outside of that like there really wasn't anything crazy maybe you had one guy top 10 but definitely not three and I feel like alluding to kind of what you're, you're about to say is that you very easily could see three wide receivers go top 10 I'll say top 11 yeah. keep the Giants in there hopefully I would hope but yeah, I mean, it's it's not something we've seen. And as you said, these are all three. They're not just they're not just guys that are gonna run a four to forty yard forty yard dash, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Um, they're gonna run precisive routes, and they're gonna catch the ball and not drop it. They're gonna 
and they're going to be a force in the red zone. They're good receivers. They're not just like burners. So yeah, I don't, I think you can't go wrong. If you, th- That's the good thing. For yes. Teams. Like you can't mm-hmm. go wrong. Like it's not like Smith's going to be, Smith's not going to get drafted by, let's say the Falcons or something. And then mm-hmm. the teams behind them are going to be like, Oh, we're fucked. We, we have to yeah. settle for chase and waddle. Nobody's going to yeah. say that. But mm-hmm. if you had to just rank them, you, you can't ignore what Devonte Smith did this year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what he did, you know, winning the Heisman, right. Doing winning an award that historically is a quarterback award. Right. And mm-hmm. for him to win it, I think you just can't ignore that. And I think you just, I guess he by default is number one because of his accomplishments, which is obviously not a knock on Chase and Waddle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know, maybe it's just a toss up with Chase and Waddle. I, I don't want to cop out. I want to give you a precise answer. So yeah. I just, I, I guess I'll go, I'll go Smith, Waddle, Chase. I don't, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'd be fine with any of them on the Giants. Yes, I definitely agree here. Again, you can't go wrong with any of them. Kind of just trying to dive into each one individually and look at what they bring to the table. So, Devontae Smith, first off, again, he's a guy who I think he was like six foot. So he's he's not obviously too tall. His reach is ridiculous, though, and his vertical is, is insane. Like he absolutely high points the ball, and he's just a great receiver. This absolutely great receiver. He's great in space. We've seen him obviously beat press coverage, beat double teams. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. The the thing with him that people worry about is his frame because He's probably like a buck 70. So you you obviously wonder, all right, how's that going to hold up in the NFL? And that's, that's pretty fair, especially if teams say want to throw him in the slot and he's getting speared by Jamal Adams, who's probably 220 of muscle that, that that is a, a, a fair point. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what Devontae Smith is again. And he's also a burner too. It's it's awesome to see. Jalen Waddell is a guy who he's like 5'10". I want to say he's probably like 185, 190. So he's a little more built. So again, that to the the human eyes tells you, oh, he's a little more durable, even though he's coming off of uh, an, a fractured ankle. But he'll be good to go by the time his pro day starts and the season starts. But Jalen Waddell is a guy that I think is just his, he's a spitting image of Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely twitchy, super fast. And I don't think he gets enough love when looking at these receivers because obviously he he got hurt and he didn't play that much. But when he was on the field, I think he was better than Devontae Smith. And that is something that people have kind of failed to realize. And they understand that uh, Devontae Smith had an obviously a Heisman year. If Jalen Waddle was on the field during that whole season, I have a feeling that Jalen Waddle would have been the one potentially hoisting that Heisman because Mm -hmm. I think he is that good. I saw a stat today that, he averaged 45 yards per touchdown catch with his time in Alabama. So, and then again, that's not just him running like 50 yards and or 45 yards and catching the ball like that. Like he's taking five yard slants and taking to the house. That's something that I think every team needs. Yeah. And that's something that especially that the Giants need and the Dolphins need. And then you look at Jamar Chase. He is more of a, everyone seems to say, a physical receiver. You see mm-hmm. him that, again, he still has speed. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near what Smith and Waddle bring, but he is a very physical receiver. He doesn't let anybody get their hands on him. So that's something that, hey, if you have a team that likes to throw up those 50-50 balls, you're going to kind of 
throw it to him. So again, he's also a guy who is going to be durable. Again, he's fresh because he didn't play this year. And he's also a guy that we haven't seen in a year. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But when we did see him in the national championship run for LSU, he was absolutely electric. He, he won like the Belink, Belinktikoff award, which is like mm-hmm. the best wide receiver in the nation. And that's when he, he was only a sophomore. So again, another absolute stud. But my rankings, I would go, would be Jalen Waddle one, mm-hmm. Devontae Smith two, and then Jamar Chase three. I think I think Smith and Chase are interchangeable, but I think Waddle is a guy who I'm praying the Dolphins go after. And again, yeah. can't go wrong with all of them, but I think Jalen Waddle is a guy that can absolutely change an offense. Waddle is at 5'10", 183. Tyreek Hill is 5'10", 185. So... So essentially the spitting same image. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting what you said about Chase being more of the physical receiver than the other two. Like if you're a team like the Giants, right, you have mm-hmm. a slot guy really kind of in Shepard, right? He's your slot guy. So would it be better for you to get, you know, we talked about Allen Robertson earlier in the show, get that physical mm-hmm. guy, get a Chase, more of a physical guy. That's why I guess it just goes to show like it it's in the eye of the beholder, whatever organization, what their need is at the wide receiver position, that's going to be the head of their list of top three between the three. I mean, I'm not going to be upset if the giants draft a Smith or a Waddle and have a, essentially mm-hmm. two slot guys, I guess, because you yeah. know, they're, they're fantastic Smith and Waddle. Yeah. So being, it'd be interesting to say, I think there's the top 10 in or top 11, keep the giants in there. The top 11, yeah. Of the draft this year, you can get three quarterbacks and three. You like six of the first eleven picks can be quarterback, wide receiver, and I don't think that's ever happened yeah. before. No, and I think that's something that shows that there is a kind of changing of the guard in how teams want to format their their kind of roster building. And mm-hmm. I think people's basically saying, "Hey, like we need weapons," even though me and you keep saying, obviously, that hey, you got to build in the trenches, but. The, the the trenches are something that I would say would probably be, hey, listen, like you do that in free agency. You got to make sure that's a sure thing. Whereas yeah. these wide receiver prospects, you're saying, all right, we could do it in the draft and we can kind of get a cheap flyer on a guy. Even if it's in the first round, you're paying him friggin seven million dollars. I like that. And- philo- I like that philosophy, honestly. Like when you build a line, go out and sign veteran grown men to be in the trenches mm-hmm. and then yes. draft kids to run around and catch footballs. I think that's the, I guess that's the way to do it because how many times have like a first round draft pick gone to a, a lineman, right. Or a defensive end. Mm-hmm. And he sucks. Eric flowers, yeah. you know, I can go mm-hmm. on and on. So yes. it's always fun. I get for the, for the casual fan, it's always more fun that um, when your team drafts the fun electric weapon, instead of the yes. offensive lineman, like a, a Sewell from Oregon, Whoever gets mm-hmm. him in the first round, the first few picks, they're gonna be they're gonna be happy they got him because he's an outstanding lineman. But they're also gonna be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you're like yeah, it's not as exciting. <laughs> you're not gonna, get his, it's you're not gonna ex- get his jersey. Like you're not gonna go run to NFLShop.com and drop yeah. <laughs> one hundred fifty dollars on a Sewell Dolphins jersey. I don't. Yeah, I always I always like getting the very exciting, sexy wide receiver in the first round. Well, that'll just about do it for the questions that you asked us. And for part one of this very long podcast, we're going to get into a mock draft in the next in part two of the show. But thank you, everyone, for the questions. And we will see you for part two of the mock draft whenever whenever Tyler decides to uh, 
decides to send it out either tomorrow or next week. But thank you guys so much for the mailbag questions. And we'll see you next time on on Ice the Kicker.